Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories. All before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of the Tomato Timer. And joining us today is an award-winning portfolio GP, a medical educator, an entrepreneur, writer, and a champion for diversity within the medical profession. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Dr. Patrice. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for joining us. And can we just, I think, collectively, we would like to thank you and all the frontline workers, doctors, nurses, for all that you guys are doing and keeping us and our loved ones safe and, and well. Thank you so much. No, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to dive right in and just ask you how you're able to manage so many things while being a practicing doctor. You're running your own company. You are speaking at multiple places. You are writing for lots of journals and stuff. How, how do you manage that? And what's your work and like kind of work and social life balance? So when I started um, all the things that I currently do, mm-hmm. uh, I was taking a year out of my training and that's how I kind of got back into a lot of things like writing, which I used to do a lot of. Okay. So um, when I was, then I applied to the GP training program. So I was working full time and it was incredibly difficult to keep up with all the things I was doing. Um, so I would do a lot of things on the weekends and the, in the evenings and it would definitely be quite challenging. And then since I completed my uh, GP training and become a GP, uh, I cut my hours down. So in a way I've reduced all my hours. So I have much more time to do, um, all the other things and all the other interests alongside my medical career. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how I do it now. But yes, in the beginning, it was definitely difficult to balance everything. And I would obviously have to prioritize, um, you know, my career and prioritize my clinical work. So I wouldn't do things as, as much, but I would still, I would definitely keep them going, but just not at a massive or, um, yeah, a big rate. That makes sense. So we we want to understand how you finally, you got into all these kind of seems like many different kind of areas of it is a medical industry but in in many ways it's very different lots of people just focus on one and just pursue it much much further but it seems like you've you've gone in every different facet that was available um can you tell us like how all those ideas so what i have i have a portfolio career so that basically means you know what we've been discussing that i have a number of different careers and interests now I always wanted to be a doctor. I don't know if I'm jumping, if you have any questions related to that, but I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of myself, but I always wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yes, and medicine was just always at the forefront of my mind. And when I started working as a doctor, I I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't prepared for the challenges and I wasn't, I was a bit disillusioned, I would say. Um, And I thought, you know, medicine wasn't essentially what I thought it was. So I took some time out and it was during that time out, I decided to kind of get back to who I was because during my foundation training, um, you know, you have to do a couple of years working in the NHS once once you graduate. I felt that I was working long hours and I was really burnt out and I just wasn't spending enough time with my family, I felt. So I really needed that time out. And it was during that time out that I, you know, got back into things like writing. So I used to love writing poetry and I used to um, do that quite a lot. And I started doing that. And then um, I was reading some journals like the BMJ, for instance, the British Medical Journal and the BMA News. And there was my very first article actually I submitted was um, to the BMA News. Yeah. And it was, you know, just about, um, if I remember correctly, about um, 
taken a year out of training and why I'd done that. And I remember the little ad was saying, you know, you can get paid for it as well. And I thought, oh, that's a nice, that's a cool incentive. So that's how it all started, really. So it, things kind of happened over time. And with my writing career, um, yeah. again, I write primarily now for GP Online uh, because you know, as you can imagine, mm. it's difficult to balance writing for loads of different places. So I just write for one organization now. And that started because I, again, I was writing to loads of places and then just submitting loads of, of things. And I, I wrote an article for GP Online and they liked it. And then they took me on as a regular contributor. So things kind of happened like gradually. And I didn't, I wouldn't say I necessarily had a plan for everything. It was just, again, going back to discovering myself and my interests. Yeah. So I would go back into school. My, well, I went back to my old school um, in the beginning and, you know, spoke to students about my career and just kept, you know, going to schools and speaking. And then I would just get invited, you know, loads of places. I joined STEM ambassadors and again, was speaking through there. So things just kind of gradually um, just yeah. played out really. Yeah. Could you share a little bit more about your time at school and how it, how, when you got to kind of medical, medical studies and how that kind of training and all that as well, where did the passion first come to you? So when I was like four years old, basically, oh, wow. okay. so I was very, very young. Uh, I always wanted to be a doctor and I just remember always just being fascinated by medicine. And I think from a very, very young age, I love learning. Like I just was always immersed in something, a puzzle or a book or just something. And I just love learning. And yeah. when I, when I found out, or I discovered the medical profession. I, I, you know, I liked the fact that there was all this continuous learning and that um, I could acquire this learning and get all this knowledge and then use that knowledge to help other people. So it was a combination of that. And I think the passion just grew over time. The more I saw, I was always, you know, reading stuff and about medicine. I was always watching these documentaries and, you know, these mm -hmm. medical programs. Um, and it just, I just, the passion just kept growing and growing and everything I did just was geared up to applying to medical school and becoming a doctor. Um, so I went to a comprehensive school and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was an okay school. Um, yeah. but obviously like many comprehensive schools, they're not necessarily equipped with all the the tools, all the information that you need to then apply to a competitive um, program like medicine. Yeah. So it was a bit of a struggle, but I had a really supportive family and my parents helped me get some work experience and I did some volunteering. Mm -hmm. I did some for a first aid course and I just did a number of different things just to make my application quite strong. Obviously, I had to get the grades and it was just a combination of all that. And I got accepted um, into UCL, which was, you know, oh, wow. my, yeah, like, <laughs> that was my dream come true. <laughs> I remember like in the summer before I started, I was you know looking at the, I was going online, looking at the, um, the website, reading all about UCL. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, I feel very strongly now because you're part of my university. Um, so... I just want to kind of give our audience a, a, a better insight into how uh, the medical degree career works in the UK. So once you completed your, I think it's five years of studies, then how does that, how does the training work? And then how do you finally become a GP? Okay. So um, when I went to UCL, so it's a five, the average duration for a medical degree is five years. Mm -hmm. Now it could be more, 
or less depending on obviously what you do if you're a graduate if you've done a degree beforehand then it might be a little bit longer because you obviously you've done three years or four years yeah so as an undergraduate at UCL at the time during 2007 when I applied you had to if you were undergraduate and you hadn't done a degree beforehand you had to do um, a year out you had to take a year out and do an intercalated BSc so you had to choose a topic I chose speech science and communication, which is all about you know gesture and language and obviously communication, um, and that was for a year. And then I went back to the medical degree, uh, medical program. So I did six years, uh, which was compulsory at the time. I think looking back, okay, I think it was good that I did the six years. But at the time, I didn't want to. I wanted to just finish. I wanted to do five years, and that was it. Was long enough, and I wanted to just do five. Yeah, I did six, but you know it's great. It does help your applications because when you do. In your final year, you have to apply for jobs. So you have to apply to go to a hospital and work as a foundation doctor. And every little bit helps. Publications, you know, and mm-hmm. extracurricular activities. And having another degree does definitely help as well. So at the time, I was like, okay, I don't really want to do it. But I can see the positives and I can see the benefits of doing it. And I'm glad that I did do it. So you do a medical degree. And once you finish um, yeah. your degree, you are a doctor. I often, you know, was asked... You know, when you finish, are you a doctor? And you definitely are. You've got your your doctor, your title, you've got your degree or degrees. Um, so you apply to the foundation program. You're assigned a number of um, jobs. You have to take um, an exam. So if I remember correctly, I did a, a, an exam called a SJT or Situational Judgment Test. And that goes, um, and obviously the higher you score, the better your chances at getting the hospital or the area that you want to work in. I remember, I think I got my second choice. So that mm-hmm. was in the northeast area of London. And I worked at Whips Cross Hospital and South End Hospital for my second year. Um, and then at that point, I took a year out. Okay. And then I decided I wanted to apply to the GP training program. So again, I had to apply. I had to submit an application online through a platform, a website. And then I was invited to take a written test. Yeah which I passed, and then I was invited to take the a practical test, um, a number of simulations. So you have to basically be, you, you take on the role of a foundation doctor and you have to interact with, you know, obviously actors, but they're playing the role of a patient or a relative and you have to work through these kind of dilemmas or these scenarios. And once you do all of that, then you're, you're accepted mm-hmm. onto the GP training program, which is three years. Um, and then again, you rotate through different um, different jobs, different specialties, and just build the experience up. And then during that time, you have to do a number of assessments with your supervisor, who you're assigned to. And then you have to do formal exams. So you do another written exam called the AKT, Applied Knowledge, Knowledge Test. And then you do a practical exam called the Clinical Skills Assessment, which is the CSA. And again, um, it's just a, a practical. So you, again, you go through um, kind of cases, scenarios, and then you're marked by an examiner who's in the room. So, and then once you've done all of that, then you're a GP. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. Wow, that was that's amazing. And, and I guess it requires so much perseverance to to go through every step of the way. It, it, from from for me at least, when I look at um, my student, my friends doing a medical degree, it's like you already have a longer degree anyway. And then just to hear from you all the <laughs> next steps that are left to, to do before you actually become a practicing doctor in the specialized field, it, it sounds amazing. But how do you stay motivated? What's Where does that perseverance come from? 
Oh, I think we all want to be successful. And I think for me, I've always wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to complete my training. So there was a point when I you know, considered leaving medicine. It was when I took my year out. Mm. But I realized that I, the passion was still there and I still wanted to be a doctor. And for me, it's just something that has just always burnt inside of me. And so that keeps me going. I, I love interacting with people. I love helping people. I love learning. And I love the variety and I love the fact that with medicine, there's so many different things you can do with your degree. You can travel, you can get into different areas. Like obviously I've got into writing. You know, there's so many things you can do um, and you meet so many different people, not just obviously your patients, but, you know, colleagues and, and your peers. Um, and I just think it's a really interesting career. So I think the fact that I've just, you know, I've been passionate about medicine, that's kept me driven and I want to okay. achieve something and I want to leave a legacy so I think all those things are just constantly in the back of my mind and that kind of pushes me to keep on striving and, and wanting to do more and better myself. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And what would you kind of, I know that you've been interacting with lots of prospective medical applicants and successful medical applicants as well uh, through your company, uh, Dream Smart Tutors. How did that come about and what are the common trends you see among applicants and any kind of advice you have for us? So um, I started the company um, during my year out of training. So I did everything during my yeah. year of training, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I started the um, I started doing smart tutors because, as I said earlier, I went to my old school, my com- the comprehensive school I studied at, and I went back to offer my help and my expertise to the young people who wanted to get into a medical career yeah. and um, I found and by going to other schools and you know speaking to other students I realized that not for everyone because I don't want to stereotype I don't want to generalize mm-hmm. but there was a common trend that I found and it was I felt that the students I was speaking to hadn't done enough research for me I felt that it was really important that they understood so much about a medical career the good the bad the ugly because yeah. You know, I got to that point where I wasn't sure if medicine was even for me. And this is coming from, you know, someone who always wanted to do medicine, always wanted to be a doctor for them. So for them, for that person then to decide, actually, I'm not sure, should I leave medicine? I felt that the students I was speaking to needed to really be informed. So I don't, I never kind of dissuade anyone. I never persuade anyone. I just give everyone the information and I tell them my experience and my journey. And then you know, the students decide obviously if they still want to do medicine and how, and I support them with that process. So that's how it already started. And I, as I said, the main thing I feel is that young people need to do their research. Now, I know it's difficult to get work experience, but there are loads of other things you can do as well, like workshops and courses and just reading around. There are loads of things on YouTube as well, loads of day in the life videos. So I think when I look back at my time applying, I don't think there was as much. But I think now there's so much more, um, you know, that the young people can use to research uh, a medical career. And I would just say that as we've established, it's a long path to <laughs> being a doctor and then specializing and then completing your training. So just really make sure that this is what you want. And I know it's difficult. And if you find like me, you get to a point where you're not sure and you decide to leave medicine, there's no there's no shame, there's no problem with that. I think it's important that you do something that kind of that you know makes you happy and that you are fulfilled by. And again, it is difficult to find that perfect career. Some people never find that perfect career, but my point is it's okay to change careers. It's okay to say, well I've done this for a little bit. And actually I feel I, I realize it's not for me. And then to go on and do something else. 
So I think those are the main things I wanted to say about about that. But yeah, research your career. Make sure that it's you. Make sure that it is you because sometimes I know parents or people might feel pressurized or pushed into certain careers. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's difficult to obviously say no to your parents or you know. Um, but if you if you don't have an honest, mature discussion with whoever you might feel is pressurizing you to go into a particular career, then honestly, when you'll be miserable and you may find that you're not going to persist and be as dedicated as you were if it was you. So if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't my own passion and my own want to do this, yeah. I don't think I would have got even past the first kind of like month of medical school. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it, the journey sounds truly long, arduous, but also very rewarding, I can imagine, at the end of it. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that having that kind of uh, the research and understanding of what what it entails and what you what you need to be able to do but then what you can also get out of it as well that the whole combination is such an important thing to have when you're applying to medical schools and and all that mm -hmm. so actually i want to kind of move away from just specifically us and students and studying medicine but talk about the medical profession in general and talk about um whether you've faced any discrimination, whether there there's this lack of diversity as as you've shared with us, how does that how has that happened, and what do you see kind of changing in that area? Is there an increasing uh, is diversity being increased in in the number of applicants and number of doctors coming out at the end of it, or is there still a challenge we're facing there? I think there's there's still a challenge. Um, I think it goes for. You know, young you know students from certain um, socioeconomic backgrounds. So you know they may not have had a, a parent who've gone to university. They may be having you know free school meals, so just not economically well off. Um, and then also from certain ethnicities, we know that there are certain ethnicities like, you know, those from a Caribbean heritage like myself um, are underrepresented at medical school. Now, although the figures haven't really changed from the last time I, I looked at the, the figures. Mm. They haven't changed or changed much. I think that there is more work being done to understand why there isn't um, this representation and um, what we can do to, to help. So I know there are loads of, you know, up and coming organizations. There's loads of widening participation activities to try and help. Um, but I do think we still have a long way to go. In terms yeah. of discrimination, I, I, I wouldn't say I face any discrimination Maybe that's because I've decided to go into general practice, which isn't as competitive as some of the other specialties. When I look back at my medical school career, or my medical school journey, sorry, mm -hmm. I don't think it was discrimination um, or overt discrimination. I mean, I suppose looking back, there, there may have been small things that I, I thought might have been a little bit unfair or the way someone you know, has spoken to me or said certain things or made certain jokes. But for me... Like at school, so at school when I go back to my you know comprehensive schooling, I I wouldn't say I was bullied, but I didn't have a particularly great time in you know certain years. So I think from like year nine to year eleven, I didn't have the greatest experience. But because I had that focus and that determination and that drive, it didn't really matter for me yeah. what people said or what they did or how they tried to make me feel. I just had that to hold on to, so it was always you know I'm gonna do this to get to to where I need to be and. As long as I hold on to this, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to do it. And I did it. So that's why I really think it's really important to have a focus. You know, I know it's difficult sometimes to find that focus, but if you can find it and, you know, you can 
research a number of different areas and maybe try and find one or just find something to hold on to, then that will definitely help. So, yes, there was, I suppose, looking back, some, I, I wouldn't even say, I don't know if it's discrimination is the right word, but um, there were some things that I noticed. But as I said, I maybe because I had that experience from, you know, during my schooling, mm. I was, I could deal with things much better. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But that is very powerful what you've said in terms of finding that kind of inner fire and, and using that to kind of blaze through whatever challenges the world puts ahead of you. Um, and I'm sure that's a very motivational thing for all our listeners to hear. Um, I, I don't like to, because uh, we have almost every episode has to have some question to do with COVID and with you being a doctor. <laughs> It was it was impossible not to ask you. Um, and there are quite a few questions, but I just wanted a kind of a general um, response from you about everything that's happening, or what 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 your feelings are, and what we should be doing to keep ourselves. As as one as one uh, listener asked, to uh, keep ourselves sane and not start the purge. <laughs> oh gosh, where do I start? <laughs> I will actually, if I'm allowed to, on my YouTube channel, I've done a whole video on how we can get through this lockdown. So I hope you guys can check it out. Mm. Um, I think I'm not the most positive of people. <laughs> I, 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 people say, you know, there's like you're, you're pessimistic, but I, I would say I'm a realist. I, I'll say that I'm, I'm, I, I keep things very real. I'm very realistic about things. Um, I think in this situation, obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty and we haven't experienced anything like this. But yeah. not just with this situation, but with loads of different things that, you know, young people that you guys will experience, you have to try and stay positive. Now, as I said, it's very hard for me to do. I'm trying to advise you guys to do it, <laughs> but it's really important. So, you know, again, if when I look back and I see myself, obviously, as a medic and a lot of medics, we have, you know, this type of personality, we're a perfectionist. Um, and we want to make things, you know, perfect. We want to get things right. And life doesn't always work like that. So yeah. it's really important that, you know, you, you try and you be realistic. You, you, you know, keep giving yourself these positive thoughts. When you find that you have a negative thought, you know, recognize it, acknowledge it and say, how can I counteract this with a positive thought? Right now, we're all stuck indoors. We can't go and do anything okay, well, how do we counteract that for? Well, you know, eventually this is going to be over and eventually we're going to see our friends. Eventually we're going to be able to do all the things that we weren't able to do. So it's, it's not forever. And yeah. I think sometimes we just have to constantly do that. And it's a, for, more, for some people, it's an uphill battle. And I suppose for a lot of us, and I know for me it is, every day you have to con you know, consciously make that effort to stay positive and to be optimistic. And as I said, for me, it's not the most natural thing to do. But if you keep working at it, then eventually you'll find that it will be much easier for you to stay positive. And then, you know, you'll, you'll find things easier in general. Mm -hmm. that, that is really an important skill and trait to have in, in these uncertain times. And we'll be sure to link your videos for our, our listeners to also see. Um, the challenge with our episodes are always that, although the, the Pomodoro timer is a very good productivity technique it always feels like it's a bit too short talking to some of you so those interesting <laughs> guests so we're coming closer to the end and as we do we want to hear kind of like your final takeaway on all everything that you've experienced and all the different kind of career pathways that you have explored and continue to pursue um, and what you would say to us as I might not be 
14 to 18 year olds anymore, but all of us out there who are kind of still in the in the journey of learning and exploring new things. I would just say keep going. Um, I do have a oh, dream so much. It came from a saying, which is dream big, think small and always inspire. So, you know, have mm. a dream, you know, dream whatever it is you want to dream about. You, you know, you can do it, but it's important to be realistic and to make sure that you have a plan. So if you feel, you know, you want to be a doctor, you know, and you're 14, how do you think you're going to get there? How, what do you need to do now so that in five years time or, you know, when you're applying, you will be equipped and you'll have all the things you need to make that happen. So please don't let mm. anyone tell you you can't do anything. Make sure that, yes, you have your dream, but you also make sure that you're realistic and you have a plan. And if you have that plan and you've done all your research and sought out all the help you need, then you will get there. And just to be persistent and to be positive. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Patrice. And it's been a pleasure having you. Sounds okay. Thanks for having me. Um, and thank you to all our live listeners. Um, we hope you'll join us in our next episode, which is in a couple of days. So thank you. Bye. And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.